Hello and welcome to another live edition of the Jersnet podcast. on all things Rangers after a week that saw the young team win the Scottish Youth Cup and the first team put some demons to rest against an Aberdeen side that were about as inspiring as a Davina McCall workout DVD. Now as well as broadcasting live we're also going to be available for download on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, loads of others so if it's your first time with us on the show please do make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss anything from us over the rest of the season. If you are listening live we've activated the comments here on the YouTube stream so please do get in touch with your questions, let us know your comments, your thoughts We'll try and cover some of those if we can. Now, we've got a really, really special show in the pipeline tonight. As well as covering the Aberdeen game and the latest transfer gossip, I am delighted to say that we'll be joined by Peter Jenkins a wee bit later on. Now, Peter Jenkins, you may know him uh, as El Fideldo. He's the man behind the RFC Youths blog, which keeps all the fans informed with all the information across the age groups over at Ock and Howie. Um, So we're really, really looking forward to chatting to Peter about the shape of the academy at Rangers. But before we get into that, let me introduce our guests this evening. It's two gentlemen who will be very, very familiar to the regular listeners. First up, we've got John McCallum. John, how are you this evening? I'm very well this evening, Ross. Yeah, yeah, I can't complain. I had a good weekend. The game today was was probably the icing on the cake. Uh, I walked past the SCCC on the way to the match, and the 16th European Congress on Obesity was taking place there today. And I walked past and nobody thought I was meant to be going in there. No one thought so you were a it's been a, it's been a pretty good day all round. Uh, uh, listen, I think the last time you and I were on together was after the old farm. Yeah, so I think that proves that Colin is the jinx. The Colin is the Jonah. And yeah. I think I speak for everyone on the show and everyone listening to the show that we are delighted that Colin is not with us tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've um, seen the comments. Aye, uh, Exactly. Um, also with us this evening, we have got Stevie Clifford from the Very Successful Four Lads blog and now the Very, Very Successful Four Lads Have the Dream podcast. Stevie, thank you for joining us. How are you this evening? Hello, hello, mate. Yeah, all good. It's been a good day. Uh, did you enjoy the game? Yeah, game was game was good. Um, pity the opposition were absolutely woeful. But um, yeah, we done our job. We were good. We were slick and we'll go on to talk a wee bit more about it, I'm sure. But yeah, definitely pleased with that. Aye, uh, Absolutely. Um, so the, the the shape of the show this evening, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Aberdeen game um, for 20 minutes or so. I'm then going to bring in uh, Peter Elfabeldo so we can discuss the, the youths. Obviously, we had a fantastic result midweek. Um, and I was, you know, I, I live over here in, in Luxembourg, so there was never any chance of me getting to the game. I was delighted to see it was streamed online so we could all uh, watch that. So we'll, we'll, we'll be chatting to Peter a wee bit later on, uh, as well as looking at some transfer gossip and the, the, the shape of the squads for the season to come. Uh, obviously, there's been some some quite cutting remarks from Stephen Gerrard following the 4-4 draw behind closed doors against the Liverpool under-23s earlier on in the week. So there's loads to get through on the show tonight. Uh, I think the, the most important, the most pertinent place is to start with the Aberdeen game earlier this afternoon. John, how did you see this one? Obviously, it was quite different to some of the other games we've had against Aberdeen throughout the season so far. I mean, we, we started the game in the right fashion and went on from there. I, I was... You hesitate to say that Aberdeen were poor, but Aberdeen were really poor today. And I can't decide if that is because they simply are poor or because Rangers just 
just didn't give them a chance. Um, I was very impressed uh, with with how we went about our stuff today. We changed our system a little bit, I felt. Um, I didn't think we had the same width. Uh, Flanagan and, and Tav were pushed wide, but uh, the, the guys like our field guys, obviously Candace didn't play. Uh, come on late uh, and and Kent who you would expect to be playing wide were both playing quite central and I think that kind of threw Aberdeen uh, I think Gerard tactically got one over on McInnes which is maybe something that you've not been able to say uh, has happened every game against Aberdeen this season so no I was delighted uh, I thought it was a good performance I didn't think we had anybody who, who didn't have pass marks and to be quite honest beating Aberdeen never gets boring uh, I, I'd be quite happy to be Aberdeen every week Ah, it's a wonderful feeling beating Aberdeen, but it, and it's something that we've no experienced enough of this season. Um, obviously, having some some really really disappointing results, not least in in both cup competitions. Stevie, how about yourself? Was there anyone that particularly stood out for you today? Yeah, I think there was a lot of good performances today. Um, starting obviously right back from the captain James Tavernier. Um, we had an excellent article this morning on Four Lads by John McIntosh talking about. Tav, his importance to his team and his stats and his contribution and there's a lot of misconception about Tav I feel that um, as a captain if he if he's not connecting um, you know screaming and shouting in people's face he doesn't seem to get the, the credit that he deserves but again today stood up the long busting runs from right back he took the vital penalties I, I thought Tav was excellent I thought Katic was was very good um, good in the air he enjoyed that battle um, and I don't really think there was a, a failure. Uh, the midfield three, uh, the midfield three, have been great recently. Um, Kamara is a diamond. Fifty thousand is an absolute daylight robbery for him, and he he's kind of weird. Kamara, sometimes you look at him and you think he's lost the ball, and he he, he still manages to tackle and come away with it. He's just got a tremendous knack of um, of, of picking um, the right time to tackle and things like that and he recycles the ball really well but Stephen Davis is, is is starting to look like the Stephen Davis of old and we know he's not the player he was you know when he was 25, 26 but he something he done today was was very clever and the movement of our field in Defoe was excellent in front of him but he played a lot of very straight balls into the centre um, to our field and to, to, to Defoe and sometimes we're guilty of shifting it side to side too much and a bit slow, but he seemed to inject a lot of pace into it and move it forward. And I just think that finally they might have kind of stumbled onto a blend there that works. Um, and the formation change were, were very narrow today, very central. And, and we were good. The only slight for me is obviously we didn't score from open play. I thought that Ryan Kent had a poor game. And I know that will not be popular to say, but his, his um, decision-making, his final ball was poor. Um and sometimes you get that with wingers and sometimes you get it with Ryan Kane that he has great games, he'll, he'll have poorer games. I don't think he was bad today, I just think that nothing that he did kind of came off and I think that if it had, we could have scored more goals. But overall, it can't, it's not a criticism of Ryan Kane, certainly not, it's not a criticism of, of us at all today. Um, should have scored more goals, could have been a lot more comfortable, but it's, it's always nice to beat them. Um, but they are a hideously poor side. They're as poor as anyone we've played at Ibrox this year. Not interested in trying to win the game, um, just being obstructive, dirty tackles, dirty fouls, um, and just you know doing anything to disrupt the flow and disrupt the game. A really unenjoyable viewpoint of, of at least you know from the point of view that that Hibs or, or Hearts 
uh, teams like that have come to Irox and had a wee bit of a go. You're playing 11 men behind the ball, very unattractive, and I, I seriously thank my lucky stars that Derek McInnes is, is not an hour dugout because that would just be horrible to watch on a weekly basis. Aye, absolutely. It's 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 funny how as, as time passes, that, that whole saga about Derek McInnes becoming the Rangers manager goes from uh, a horrendous embarrassment for this board to one of the largest bullet dodges since the Matrix came out. Um, I, I can't disagree with what you said there, Stevie, about Ryan Kent. And I was thinking the same thing, how there was a lot of energy, a lot of effort without a lot of output. And that's that's what you get from, like you say, from wingers, from attacking players and from young players as well. Um, it, it, it kind of just wasn't his day. And that's probably why we, we never scored more from open play. Um, you also mentioned... Uh, Nikola Katic and I'd, I'd really recommend there's a, a, a cracking interview with Nikola Katic on Rangers TV at the moment where he kind of reflects on his first season at Rangers which it's it's kind of hard to quantify as, as either a success or a failure and he's got a very refreshing outlook saying look I've, maybe I've not played every game but I've played almost 30 games in my first season at one of the biggest clubs in, in the United Kingdom um, and it's a, a really refreshing really healthy attitude Obviously, we would not have won that game if we hadn't won two penalties. Um, so I think it's it's a fair place to discuss whether one or both of those should have been given, should they not have been given. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen Derek McInnes' interviews after the game, but they're absolutely delicious to watch because of the hatred pouring out of him. He's absolutely gutted. Um, John, let's talk about the first penalty. First of all, uh, Nikola Katic tripped in the box. Would you have given that as a penalty? I mean, I only saw it once at the game. I was literally uh, the very, very back row of the club deck today. I was about as far away from it as you can be. Uh, so for me, it was absolutely, definitely a penalty. A penalty all day long. Um, I don't know what the replays have shown, but at the time, I, I, I just looked like an absolute stick-on for me. And um, I'm not going to let facts change that. To be honest, you don't need to let facts change that. It was a stick-on penalty. Oh, like excellent. Oh, that's even better news. The, the boy stands on his foot in the box and takes him down as he's as he's moving towards the ball. It's that's a clear penalty for me. Oh, well, um, and, and from the club deck, how did the second one look? The concert incident. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised he wasn't arrested. Frankly, afterwards, concert <laughs> Um Again, from who we were, it looked like a penalty. So I, I'm going with that. A bit of me, you know, I was interested in what Steve was saying there, and, and you know, Stevie is right. But, you know about a lot of what he said. At the same time, beating Aberdeen with two dubious penalties actually made it slightly better for me. I quite like beating people when they feel cheated. Uh, that kind of adds something to it for me. So I don't know. I, both penalties, from where I was sitting, looked absolutely like penalties. But I, I, I have heard rumours subsequently that uh, maybe one or both of them might have been soft. Stevie, how about yourself? Um, hopefully you've had a, a better view of things than the back row of the club deck. Do you think it's fair to say that one of those penalties might have been soft? No. No. I was I sit in GF six, so um, we I'm looking directly at it, um, and I was I was screaming for it, um, and I, to see to be quite honest, I'm I'm not really impressed with Gerard's comments with regards to what he said about Katic and and going down because he was on the sidelines absolutely screaming for it as well. If you put your hands across somebody's face, it doesn't matter if you're in the centre circle, and in, in the touch line, or you're in the penalty box, it's a foul. Your hands should be at your side or with justifiable leverage. Now, he, he was right across Katic's face and he slapped him in it twice. And you know what? So what if he went down and feigned it a wee bit? I want my players to try and win 
penalties and that's what people do to us. Now let's rewind it back um, six months or whatever it was to Morelos when he got sent off against Aberdeen for slapping the boy in the face with his hand and, and pushing him off and he went down like a ton of bricks. So do I have any sympathy for them? No, absolutely don't. And do you know what, as John says, see if it is a wee bit dubious then, great, because watching Derek McInnes greeting afterwards and everything else, and it just reminds me of his, his horrible assistant as well, who'll be cursing his luck, then good, get it up them. I've got no sympathy for them at all. Get it up them, I think, is pretty much sums up how I'm feeling about today as well. I am sure get it up them will be the title of this podcast <laughs> for download. Get it up them. Right, listen, I can't disagree with the comments. Like it's especially the Considine one is probably the more controversial of the two in that he's you could say he's putting his arms out for balance and for leverage. But Stevie's right, he, he has one slap in the face, realizes he's not done much, so he has another wee whack at Katic. When Katic goes down, he clutches his face and uh, he maybe sells it, but that's as part of his job is to sell it. He's been he's been fouled in the box. And as one of the comments here, I'm getting absolutely tons of comments on the YouTube, by the way. I'm trying my best to read them all. Um, one of the comments here is saying from Graham, there's no such thing as a soft penalty. It's either a foul and a penalty or it's not a penalty. Both of them were fouls. So we can't be talking about the fact, ah, it was a foul, but it was in the box and it was a soft foul, so it shouldn't be a penalty. Um, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say that they, they probably both should have been penalties. And when you look at what Considine's doing, and you look at the lot, it, it has to be a second yellow card for the boy. So I, especially when you consider the results we've had against Aberdeen this season, the kind of bad blood that's gone on between the two teams over the past nine months with the Morelos red card, last-minute equalisers, them putting us out of both cups, them getting wins that they shouldn't have deserved. Um, I, don't, God, I don't have any sympathy for them at all. Um, and right, fair enough, we never scored from open play today, but we could have done, and perhaps we should have done, Stevie Tav had a goal chopped off for offside. I'm sure you'll have seen the pictures coming out on social media after the event. Um, talk us through this one. Obviously, you're a qualified referee, as everyone's well aware. To me, Tav's feet are on onside. He then obviously goes through, strikes the ball with his foot and scores. Is that offside? Should that goal have stood? Goal should have stood. It's my, if anything, he's... He's onside and the advantage you give to the attacking player. Now, if you watch the, the replays, the Aberdeen defender is wearing yellow boots and he's his foot, his right foot, is is playing all the Tav on. Now, because it's at a slight angle, it looks deceptive as if Tav's body, perhaps his shoulder and his arm is offside, but you can't score a goal with your arm or your shoulder. So that part of your body doesn't count. So for me... It's, it's onside and the goal should have stood. And you know what as well? It was such a shame because that was an outstanding move. Started and finished again by Tav. Um, and the build-up, everything was, was inch perfect. And it really was a lovely goal. And we've scored some cracking goals this year. But that, for me, would have been goal of the season. Team-wise, it was it was immaculate. Uh, absolutely. Uh, immaculate is the word for it. It was, it was a real shame. Um, John... How about yourself? What was your view of this one? Did you, at the time, think that that was onside or offside? And have you seen the photos coming out afterwards? What's it say about the standard of our officiating yet again? Yeah, at the time, at the time, I thought he was offside. At the time, you know, the, the at the time your eye adjusted him having the ball. Both players have moved. He looked offside to me. I mean, the people around me, we weren't really complaining about it all that much. Um, as Stevie says, it was such a beautiful move, and the fact that that Tavernier himself had started it. 
um, you know, literally in his own box, um, and and then finished it. It was a shame, but I, to be quite honest, at the time we thought it was off. Um, it's disappointing to find out it wasn't. Um, so I guess I guess all the people wanting VAR will be saying, "There, there you go. There's your, there's the proof of that particular one because it would have been goal of the season." I agree with that entirely. Aye, as if we needed any more proof that our referees in Scotland were needing some assistance. Um, uh, look- I mean, to be fair, that one, that's that's the linesman's call. You know, I, don't, I suspect the referee will have gone with the linesman on that who's got the best view of it. Aye, and, and you can't blame him for that. That's that's what he should be doing. Yeah. I mean, he gets the blame for all the other decisions he made wrong in the match. Oh. <laughs> I can't blame him for that one. You know, I, talk to us about that then. Talk to us about some of the other decisions that you've seen. I mean, it, it seemed to me that their fullbacks were intent on just kicking our boys up and doing the park. Yeah, I mean, it was... Aberdeen have played the same way against us all season. You know, they're a physical team. Um, and it's interesting because... because um, because we didn't have Morels playing, they are big. They, what they've got is two big centre halves, and and then sometimes they bring in a kind of third big centre half, and they basically take turn about kicking them. But because he wasn't playing, Defoe's a different type of player, and they did. I just get the feeling they didn't actually know what to do. Um, Defoe is not the kind of player who's going to go up against them in that way. Defoe is a very very different type of player, um, and it was interesting watching Defoe against them. You realise, uh, you know what. It, it, there's so much going on in his head, his speed of thought, uh, his movement, and, and they just didn't know what to do. Uh, and in the first half, they were just—I just felt they were, they, were, they were very, very physical. And again, again, I feel that when you um, go up against the physical side like that, the referees, for some reason, in this country seem to let them away with it. I mean, the referee got booed off at half time. You know, the support were furious with them. Um, you know, we'll look at the penalties and say, well, you know, did he favour in us? He certainly didn't in the first half. No, certainly, certainly not. I, I totally agree with that. Um, Stevie, again, from a referee's perspective, there's a, a question here on the YouTube from Mark Parsonage um, talking about the Jermaine Defoe, who I thought was, you know, excellent in terms of his movement, in terms of his intellect today, and, and was kind of unlucky not to, to have a wee bit more output. Defoe had an incident uh, in the first half when he ran through and seemed to catch the Aberdeen keeper in the face with his hand. Do you think Defoe was perhaps lucky to stay on the pitch there? Is there any call that he could have been sent off for that? Before we before we talk about Defoe um, and, we, and we get there, something that uh, John said previously, there were several incidents in the half that didn't really make sense from a, from a kind of refereeing standpoint there was two over at the east enclosure and um, Broomlone's side and um, Kamara went down the left drove on and, and he had to hurdle two or three tackles at least one of them he, the boy tried to wipe him out um, the other was down the side Flanagan wiped out down the side and then Arfield had a wee kind of grapple at the boy and he immediately blew and gave the free kick there's no advantage there there's no foul given to Rangers on either occasion every single time Arfield got the ball and there was one on the left at the Sandy Jardin side, right in front of us, more or less. That every time Arfield got it, I think it was Considine who was all over him, arms round him, grabbing, pulling, everything. And that's what frustrated because it seemed to be that any time Rangers had a wee tug, they were they were immediately given it. And there was another one, Defoe, um, Davis rather ran, was going straight through and Stevie May came back and pulled him and hauled him back, no foul. And then only a couple of minutes later, um, Aberdeen were breaking through. I think Lewis Ferguson had it, and he and I think Ryan Jack did we pull at him, and it was immediately given. And that's where the frustration came from the support, because 
there was there's no consistency there from Don Robertson at all. And it seemed to be that instead of and we've talked about this before, instead of giving what he should, he's he's just managing the game and by the reactions of, of players and, and things like that, instead of giving the the actual decisions he should be given. But going on to Defoe, um at the time I just thought they ran into each other. I didn't I didn't think that, that there was much in it. I mean Defoe's a tiny wee guy, Lewis is a big guy. So I didn't really think that there was anything in it. Controversially I've seen it again and I think Defoe's lucky. I'm not gonna lie, I think his arms up. Um and in terms of is it enough for another yellow to get sent off? No. Is he really meaning it? I don't really know, but um, it's not something I would have. I would have given him benefit of the doubt in terms of um, that he's 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 quite a small guy. He's running at full pelt, and he's he's maybe just putting his arms up to defend himself and kind of block the guy from smacking him, which is fine. But the reason I say he's lucky is that we've seen some decisions that have been given against us this year. Morelos um, sending off and things like that. I mean, there's been countless decisions that have been poor and in terms of he's asking the referee to, to kind of make a decision but so it's, it's one of those ones that see see if he had been he, he had been given another yellow and he'd been sent off and looking at the replays I'm, I'm not sure there would have been too, too many arguments but I think in that occasion that Robertson got it right and he's just used a wee bit of common sense in terms of he, he's, he's more or less, just trying to, to to defend himself. I hope that kind of makes sense. I'm not sure that I've kind of explained it properly, but at the time, you know, we were quite far away from it. What we noticed at the time was that, that even the Aberdeen players didn't seem to make that much of it. You know, it was a couple of them come over and had a chat with the referee about it, but they didn't seem to make that big a deal of it. So we felt at the time, you know, it must have been okay. You know, we joked, the guy next to me, we actually joked that, you know, you know, had that been Morelos, that you know every single member of the Aberdeen team and their backroom staff would have been on the pitch to the referee, but because it was Defoe, they seemed to react differently to it. So I don't know if that influenced the referee. I'm not sure how good a view of it he got. I mean, I, I was the same as Stevie, and that when I seen it, you know, at full speed, I, I I couldn't even really tell if there'd been any contact between the two of them. It almost seemed like Defoe had sort of run into the ball that Joe Lewis was holding out. Um, and then Joe Lewis has gone down to make a wee bit of a meal of it. Seeing it back, I think uh, it's. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm slightly concerned that there might be retrospective action on that. Although I don't know, it, it probably depends on what the the referee puts in his match report. Um, I don't know, and it's it's an interesting point raising the fact that if it was Morelos, how how different could things have been? Can there be retrospective action if the ref saw it and and and, and already booked him? I don't know. There could be retrospective action in that. Well, Bobby Madden's was looking right at Alan McGregor up in Pataudry and almost unbelievably as if he's some sort of magician managed to to say that he hadn't seen it and when the pictures were shown he was looking right at it. So I think we're at a stage where the compliance officer, um, if she's managing to hide her, her Celtic colours, can just do what she wants. That's fair enough, actually. <laughs> let's, come on, let's be honest about it. The compliance officer is no... No friend of ours. Scott Brown's got free reign to do whatever he wants in Scottish football. We've seen it. We've seen it yesterday. He pushed somebody over and it was play on. So let's let's be honest here, guys. When it comes to Claire White and the compliance officer with Rangers, then we should we should be prepared to expect, you know, the unexpected. 
Aye, that's the thing, and, and we just—it's it's a slight worry that that Defoe might have put himself in that position. Um, guys, there's there's so much more that we can say about this Aberdeen game, and I, I'm conscious of time. Obviously, we've got so much more to get through this evening. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to continue this conversation over on the Jersnet forum. Um, so I'll provide you all with a link for that later. You can, if you're not registered yet, get yourself registered. Um, myself, Stevie, John, we're all members there. We'll all be getting involved with the chat. So we'll make sure we carry on this discussion on the forums. What I want to do now, though, is um, I want to bring in Peter Jenkins. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're very lucky to be joined by Peter this evening, um, also known as El Fidelto across various online uh, platforms. Peter is the, the Rangers youth guru who runs the Rangers youth blog, um, covering all, all the age groups coming out of Auckland Howie. Um, Peter, thank you very, very much for giving up your time and joining us this evening. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, it's... I would, I'm quite happy to encourage them to go and watch the youths. It's, it's something I've done over a, a long period of time, uh, way before social media. Uh, and actually, it was just due to a lack of coverage from the official Rangers site on what was the youth league at the time that made me start the blog, which has now been going for 11 years. Um, I was always going to some of the younger games as well, so it was just a kind of natural following that if I was at a game, then I did a V-Match report on it. Uh, if anybody's seen, seen the blog, I, 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 try, I, I try and keep my opinion out, out of it, and I think, I think I'm quite successful in that. Um, it's match reports, and it is match reports. I don't think it comes across that who I think the staff players are in each age group, which obviously have my opinions. But the nature of what I do means that I, I have a kind of relationship with parents and players. And I think most parents think their boy's the best player. So yeah. I, as I say, it's I think I, I strike the right balance. Um, I've seen highs and lows. Um, I think at the moment we're in a good place, but we need to take the next step. It's great to win the Youth Cup the other night. Uh, we could win another few trophies in the next couple of weeks. And the big picture, they don't really mean anything if we don't produce players for the first team. The, the next step is for players to step into the first team. But a few years ago, we were in a bad place. And we had to rip it up and start again. So subsequently in recent, the last couple of years, we've had very few players between the age of 19, 21, 22. After ripping it up, we, we were left with a couple, the, the McCrory brothers, Ryan Hardy, but our youth players were 17, 18. We're now getting in the stage where they're becoming 19 towards 20. So these players have got a either get some first-team experience, or they've got to go out and loan and be successful out and loan. We've had players going and loan in the last couple of years, and I would say that it's a mixed bag, probably going towards not being that successful. Um, this year, the ones that have done well is obviously Zach Rudden, has played almost every week for Falkirk. And he's been scoring goals in a team that haven't been scoring many goals. Um, 
Jamie Perjonis has done well since he's went to Wraith Rovers, but his loan move at Bury never really worked out. Other players, it's been a bit mixed. Like Jordan Houston was doing well at Airdrie. He then went to play for Scott on 19s. And while he was away, Airdrie had a couple of good results, so Jordan lost his place. Others haven't done so well. I mean, Andy Dallas, after starting a couple of games, has found himself in the bench. First half of the season, Liam Burke was in a summer position at Awa and then ended up being a regular sub. What I have to say in, in Liam Burke's case is he's been good playing in the reserve since he came back, but he's probably played his last game of the season, maybe his last game for Rangers because his contract's up because he appeared to pull his hamstring the other week. Um, I, as I would say, I would encourage MD to come along and, and watch you guys. I mean, a lot of folk will say to me in forums, you know, who's the best player in the under-15s? That's not what the blog therefore. I, I've got my opinion who the best player is, but it's not the blog isn't about my opinions. I would say come along and watch them and decide for yourself. And there's good players in every age age group. So I, Peter, if if I, if I can ask, how is it then that you know how do guys come along and, and watch? Is it is there any admission fee or is it just turn up, say that you're here for the game and 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 join in and watch it? Most of the games, you, there's no admission fee for any games. Even the reserve games these days, there's, there's no admission fee. Um, I, I have to pray, pray, praise the club here that, that there are some games that have been deemed closed door. Obviously, the, the last couple of years, Old Firm clashes and Glasgow Cup and Youth Cup have been closed door because of issues at previous games. And the club have, have looked after the there dozen or so people that go on a, a relatively regular basis, so we, we we do get in. But most games, I mean, I mean, I, I was at two games this weekend at the younger age groups. One at, at the Hummel, and this morning I was at Lesser Hamden. You just walk in. Uh, obviously, it's it's no quite so easy to find out when the games are on. As it go regular, tend to get the information and we pass it on to each other. Um, it's not a problem for me to post the information, you know, when games are coming. But the only qualifier I would say is they can change. You know, I could post it as a game you know, coming up on Wednesday and then it, it doesn't happen for one reason or other or the kickoff gets changed. So no, they're not really, they don't really have a structured fixture list as such. Right. But, but there's... If there's a game on, you, you, you'll get in. Apart from the odd game, the game closed door. Um, the Hummel's been a wee bit different this season because of the building work going on. Aye. But really, it's more just a case that you can't park in there. So I don't know if you know, uh, the Howie, there's a tennis club just along the road. So most games, if, if, if it's during the day, most games, you, you, you would have to park there. You'll not get parking in. Right. In complex when the first team are in. Right. But what what I would say is, as I said, we we won a youth cup this this week. We need five points for four games to win the youth league, which will qualify us for the champions youth league. But it would be the non-champions stream, which means that we don't go into a group. 
and it would be just home and away ties. Uh, for example, this season it was Hamilton who actually went to the Hamilton game when they played Ball. They, they beat Ball on penalties and they then played a Danish team that knocked out with a Danish team. So Rangers would be in the same the same situation. It would be knockout. And the first time won't be until October. So it's it's quite a gap. And once while the group stage is going on for the teams that have qualified for the Champions League, whose youth teams then playing it in a mirrored group. While that's going on, the, the, the other teams playing a knockout. And then when the groups are finished, the teams that have qualified for the groups, I'll, I think it's only the group winners, I'll play a team that's come through the knockout phase in the last 16. Right. Okay. Um, now, we've also got the reserve league, which is down a... We've got Hibs at the, at the top by a goal, but they've, they've got no games left. Rangers are three goals ahead of Celtic. We've got one game left. So if we both won, Celtic need a three-goal swing to overtake us. Right. There's also the under-16 cup, which is a new thing. Youth, youth age groups have moved to a calendar season from January through to December, with the exception being the current 16s, because the, the under-16s that start in, in January there, they, are, they become, most of them are signing contracts to be full-time players in the summer. So they move to a conventional season in the summer. So for the six months from January to now, they're playing, it was a group, uh, they called it like the Club Academy Scotland Cup. And there was four groups and then the, the top two in each group went through. So Rangers played semi-final this morning, they beat Hibs 3-0. And they play the winners of Aberdeen and Kilmarnock. I don't know how it finished. Aberdeen were one nothing up, but I don't know how that finished. So that is an under sixteen cup. But as I say, these trophies don't really mean a lot if we don't progress to the next stage with the players. No, and that's I guess that's the most important thing is is looking at that that player pathway mm. from the youths and like you say over the past you know, however many years, there's no been such a visible pathway from the youths to step it up into the first team. Um, obviously, a lot of eyes this week will have been on the next generation coming through in, in the Youth Cup final that we were able to watch uh, midweek there. Can I ask, in, in, in your opinion, did you was that a, a result that you expected, obviously, with your knowledge of that age group? Did you expect the players to be able to, to overcome Celtic? Who Well, if you ask me that question... Three or four weeks ago, I'd have said yes. But we played Celtic in a league game at Barfield uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Celtic didn't put out their strongest team. They, they, left, out, uh, they left out Barry Coffey, who played in midfield. They left out Karamoko Dembele. And they left out Armstrong Okoflex. Rangers were at full strength, with the exception of Nathan Patterson, who was injured. And I expect he does to beat them. And we should we should have been more than a goal up, but they scored right on half time to make it one one. And they came out at the start of the second half and they dominated the first fifteen minutes. And by that time it was three one. So looking at the youth cup game, I still felt as though we would we would beat them. But 
I wouldn't have said we were as strong favourites as I would have said a couple of weeks prior. Right. And I don't know if you watched the game. I thought I thought that both teams were good at the top end of the pitch. Aye. The front three in both teams were. I, I think it was going to be which defence cope best with the with the opposition's front three that would win. And and I have to say that two two Celtics front three never actually played in that league game. Right. No, I, I mean both both teams were I thought you know very positive and and, and wanting to get the ball forward and play attacking football. We've had a, a question here on the YouTube stream, Peter, about funding for the youth teams. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Stevie from, from Four Lads has done a lot of funding and uh, recently had the um, the raffle that the Four Lads had a dream blog did that raised a lot of money for the youths. What are the other income streams for the for the youth system and, and how can people get involved in funding the, 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 the next generation of Rangers? Well, there's obviously the Rising Stars and there's the Rangers Lotto. There's also, you can, it started where it was just supporters clubs, like they can buy a panel, it's like a brick at Ibrooks, but it's a panel at the Hummel. Um, but I noticed that there's a few individuals have bought panels. I think the cost was like £250. It's like a bigger version of like the bricks that you see at Ibrooks. There isn't actually a lot of them there. And there's a budget from, obviously, the club, goes to the, the youth as well. Um, other than that, I don't, I'm don't. i not really aware of any other income stream that they would have. But what, going back to the, the, the Youth Cup final, what, what I would say, a lot of folk would have watched that, and that's maybe the first I've seen the youth team. So it's not really a criticism, but a lot of people don't really have any perception of where youth foot, you know, like that. The under 18 set in terms of the first team. Now, Rangers Rangers did well on Thursday and we, de- we deserved to win the game. But we beat Celtics under 18s. We didn't beat Celtic. We beat Celtics under 18s. None of them have played in Celtics first team. The previous league game, we beat Marble. None of them have played in Marble's first team. So a lot of folk are looking at these players and think we, we should have them in the first team. A better indication of who is maybe worth a promotion in the, in the, the last couple of games is Tuesday's Glasgow Cup game, which is under 20. Because you've got players that, most of the players that played on Thursday night don't play in the reserves on a regular basis. The only the exception to that would be Josh McPake. He's played fairly regular in the reserves. Whether one or two others have played the odd time, like Dapo, maybe Kai Kennedy, they've played the, the odd time. But we've got players that will be playing on Tuesday that are playing regular in the reserves that are 18 and 19 year olds, like Lewis Mayo, Matthew Shields, Cami Palmer, Stevie Kelly. So these are really ahead of the, the under 18 players, but people that don't really follow reserve juice. They don't really see that. They just see the beat Celtic. These boys should be due a promotion, but their time, their time will come. But I think they're a wee bit behind, you know, some of the older play, older youth players, which we didn't have in the past. You no, know, like, as I said, because we had to rip it up and start again, we we didn't have 18, 19 year olds, twenty year olds, but now 
couple of years down the line, we have. And it's these 18, 19, 20-year-olds that we're really got to push on, either into, into the team where we can, or get them out on loan, but they've got to play if they're out on loan. If they go out on loan and end up sitting in the bench for a championship team, then it's not really, it's not really progress. No, no, absolutely. Now, the, the Glasgow Cup game uh, in, in the week, is that uh, open to the public or is that a behind-closed-doors game? No, unfortunately. If we'd been playing Thistle or Queen's Park, it would have been open. But uh, because of history of recent games, there was a game particular at Fur Hill. Where, and it's, it's cost, because of the, the, the recent trouble that's been at these games, the police costs. The, the police will not let them go with minimal policing. So, if they want to have it open to the public, the police are saying, "Well, this is the policing that we need to police that game." And that cost then goes to the clubs and either the SFA for the Youth Cup or the Glasgow FA for the Glasgow Cup. And also, I think in some of the recent things that's happened in first team at first team games as well, the chances of these games being open this season was non-existent, I would say. I don't know what, what the situation is for Tuesday. I know that the Youth Cup, each club got 750 tickets, but they weren't allowed to just distribute them to anybody. The vast majority of them had to go to their academy players. So at the game on Thursday, you would had, had Rangers boys feel it under 11s right up. They were given tickets, so all the academy players that obviously if they were stayed a bit away, they maybe wouldn't have travelled to it. But there was loads of loads of the kids were there. But one one thing I would say that's really raised Rangers, not just the youth profile, but the profile of the club, was when they when they won the Alcast Cup in Qatar. And yeah, I remember that it was um, it's certainly well publicised over social media and these kind of things with some some big results over, you know, really, really big, impressive European clubs. It's a big tournament and apparently, I mean, what we've been told is it's it's an incredible tournament. Every every team that was there were met at the airport with their own bus, with a with a crest along the bus. So this is for this is an under seventeen tournament. So Rangers had their own bus with the Rangers crest along it. One of the Rangers players got injured in the game and he had an MRI scan within 20 minutes of being injured. It was no expense spared. Every game is on Al Jazeera live. And a, a consequence of Rangers winning it, they're now, they're now invited to that tournament for, for the next three years. Right. Now, Rangers hadn't been invited before. And if we had lost to Roman penalties, we, we might never have never been back at that tournament or we certainly wouldn't have been back within the next couple of years it might have been 10 years but because we've won it we're back for the next three years guaranteed and it's I don't think it costs the club anything was, because it's Qatar the money behind it is un unbelievable good oh, no, it's, it's great I remember I remember it all happening and, and the buzz that was built up around it and you could tell that this was you know something big something momentous Peter, it's been it's been fascinating hearing from you, and, and I've certainly learned a lot about the youth setup. And I'm, you know, I can see the comments on the YouTube that the listeners have certainly enjoyed hearing from you as well. Just before before we say goodbye to you, can you 
Um, tell us, if, if anyone's no familiar with your blog, can you tell us where they can find the RFC Youth blog? It's just RFC Youth. Uh, just let me check it. It's WordPress. It's rfcyouth.com. No, it's wordpress.com and it's RFC Youth. Fantastic. But if you search RFC Youth, it's, it's one of the first things that comes up. Uh, and I'm just halfway through taking up a report in this morning's under-13s under game. So that'll be, up, that'll be up later on. Fantastic. They say the kids and the parents like it as well. So it's... Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And it's a, it's a fantastic resource for, you know, anyone who's interested in football, anyone who's interested in football development. It really is an incredible resource, the amount of... Oh, just before I go, um, Thursday was my 17th Youth Cup final. Uh, just by coincidence, Rangers were in the mall. <laughs> and a, a wee sort of start was that there's 70 players who've played for Rangers in their finals. And we went and played in the first team. Now, obviously, you've got the likes of Barry Ferguson, Alan Hutton, that played, made a big impact down to players that have played one game or one substitute of him. So right. that's something for folk to think about if if they could name many of them. I absolutely, absolutely. Um Peter, it's been it's been wonderful hearing from you and thank you thank you very, very much for giving up your time this evening. Pleasure's mate. Thanks a lot. So that's Peter uh Peter Jenkins, El Fideldo. Like I say, definitely have a have a look for the RFC youth WordPress blog, um, a, a wonderful resource for any football fan, anyone interested in youth development at Rangers to read up on the match reports, read up about the players that are coming through and and hopefully we can, as Peter mentioned, the, the way that this youth system was ripped apart over the past few years and started again from scratch, hopefully over the next few years we'll start seeing that be borne out more and more in the first team and, and that's what we all want to see, especially as the economy between the Scottish and the English games grows and the differences there, um, we, we need to be relying on our own youth system. Right, before we end the show tonight, I think we need to take a look at the, the state of the Rangers squad as we look towards the summer transfer window. Obviously, it, it, it wouldn't be right to have Stevie from Four Lads on the show if we didn't talk about transfer rumours. I know that he's been, he's been teasing you all day on Twitter about big rumours that he's going to be announcing. Um, Stevie is well known for having his, his ear to the ground, his finger on the pulse when it comes to the transfer gossip. Stevie, what have you got for us in terms of rumours? Um, probably better to start with what I put last night in terms of the, the three deals that are done. Um, deals that are done obviously come as no surprise. Jake Hasty is is here. He's signed a, a four-year deal. Uh, I think the club will announce that this week. Um, we know Jordan Jones has done. He was one of the three we included. The other one's obviously Greg Stewart. Greg Stewart has a three-year deal. Um, that's done. That was something that we broke on four lads. Um, a good few weeks ago it was then picked up by the press, etc. Likewise with, with Jake Hasty, the guys that listened to our own Four Lads podcast would have known from that that the deal was back on. Um so there's obviously they're set up. Um the things the rumours that are coming, um, Ross, is some of them are incredible. And uh, the one I was was kinda laughing at um, today is Stuart Armstrong of Southampton. We'll know him because he used to play for that mob across the road. But um, and what normally happens this time is we, we get a lot of, of kind of contact from agents and things like that. And they'll throw names about and it's trying to, to kind of get names and, and figure out if, if they're true and if they're, if they're sticking. Um, 
the likes of Welbeck, we know that, that Welbeck has been offered. Um, we know that the likes of Milner has been offered and discussed as well. But these these are ones that are kind of wild, you know, that agents will, will throw them about as possibilities and, and to kind of get their own clubs to offer them deals and things like that. Armstrong's probably very much in that category as well. We know that he's been offered to Celtic as well. He's been offered to the Championship. So these are these are the kind of wild rumours we get at the moment. It's it's the same as the, the boys like Tim Closer um, from Norwich, the centre back. Um, we do know that he's been watched several times. Um, we had that confirmed. So we, there is an interest there. Will we move for these guys? It's 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 probably not known. But one we do know. One we spoke about this boy before. Um, my pronunciation of this boy isn't very good. One two and Zebe. He plays at Aston Villa at the moment. He's a Man United centre-half. And the club are extremely interested in him. Um, they, it's a case of seeing what, what's going to happen with him in terms of a loan move and things like that. But what Rangers are now is attractive because clubs have seen what what's happened with Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent went after a bad year at, at Bristol and has come up here and stormed it. And Liverpool are talking about getting £10-12 million for him. So... We're in a position where we can say to clubs now, well, we'll take these guys, we'll, we'll turn them around and we'll go again. And that brings us nicely on to the next thing I'm going to say. If Ryan Kent doesn't sign for Rangers, then in which we're still very much in the hunt, I would 100% expect Ben Woodburn to be the next Liverpool boy up on loan um, to the extent where it's probably worth saying that I believe that if he doesn't come, um, Ryan Kent, then Liverpool are more or less said to Rangers, well, Ben Woodburn will be the one that comes up. He's had a bit of a, a, a poor time down in Sheffield, so again, it's the exact same for them, that, and they can they can trust him to come up here, and hopefully they can turn him round and do the exact same, and, and we know that Stephen Gerrard's a big a big believer in him. He he had a storm in the first half on Monday in the, in the youth game, in the under-23 game, um, and tore Rangers apart. Um, I think I think it's right to say set up two of the goals and possibly scored the other two, but he's one that we definitely want. Adam Lewis, a left-back, is another one on our radar um, that's been spoke about as well. Um, now, if you factor in what's currently going on with Bonabaricic, that seems to make sense. So there's a lot of a lot of rumours. There's, there's other stuff that we know, there's stuff that I know that I can't really say much on at the moment is we're sworn to secrecy. But we also know that players have been across, that players have been at Hummel Training Centre, players have been spotted. So there's a lot happening. Um, a lot of people are kind of concerned about the, the three that are coming in at the moment. And what I would say to them is don't over-concern yourself with that. This squad, I said it in the blogs in the week, this squad has got the potential to lose between 10 and 15 players. And before Monday, I would have said that that wouldn't have really hurt us in terms of these guys not playing. But after Monday, I would say that there's four or five, maybe even six of them on Monday that won't kick a ball for Rangers again. So... What Gerard is, is he's, he's pretty ruthless. You either give him everything attitude-wise or you give him nothing at all. So there is, there's, there's, there could certainly be more scope for more to come in. It's going to be a very busy and a very exciting summer. Um, Gerard's got a budget. He wants he wants quality and he and he wants a couple of really big names. Um, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I think, to be honest, I don't I don't say these things lightly. Last year, I said we were we were going to get a big name manager. We got it. Said it was going to be an exciting summer. We got fifteen signings. Said it was going to be an exciting January. We got Defoe and Davis. So let's see what this summer brings. But I'm certainly looking forward to it. 
Aye, and it's it's early days as well. It's 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 fascinating hearing the names that have, that have been linked, and obviously we've we've all heard well, but we've all heard Milner, and um, it's it's hard to almost write things off as pie in the sky these days when when you see the likes of Defoe coming in or or, or even Gerard coming in as manager. It's hard to write things off as wild. Um, obviously there's then names in the background, things like Shinny. There's you know that 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 situation's still up in the air. Um. But listen, the names that, that, that you have there are, are, are certainly very, very interesting. The the Villa centre-back, Twanzebe, or, or however it's pronounced, I, I remember him as a prospect at Man United and would be a, a really fascinating signing to, to get on board. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a really interesting one, though, when we look then at, at the shape of the squad as it stands going into next season. Because, uh, as Stevie mentioned there, John, we... we had this behind closed doors friendly game against the Liverpool second string, which Gerard really pulled no punches on some of his first team players, uh, some of his fringe players after after that result called them embarrassing. Um, I think it's we're, there's no secrets here. We're talking about players like Barisic, like Gresda, like Kyle Lafferty. Um, after the the comments Gerard's made this this week, do you see any future for those three players at Rangers? I watched Lee Wallace come on today, who this time last year was had no future at Rangers, and well, he's obviously got had a contract and decided to see it out. And I suppose that's the problem with the three players you've just mentioned. All three of them have contracts, and it's up the power in that particular dynamic rests with them. Um, all three of them have disappointed Lafferty. Lafferty disappointed the first time we signed them. So I don't suppose we should be surprised and disappointed again. Um, he did look like he'd turned a corner with hearts, but um, you know he's struggled to get into our team. Um, I'm not sure why. You hear all sorts of stuff, but uh, you know I don't know why he's not getting the team. But perhaps attitude is is part of his problem. Gresda um, and Barisic, Gresda seem to be injured. Um, I'm guessing he's not injured now. I don't. I, haven't, I still haven't seen enough of Gresda to know whether he is somebody who can do something for us or not. Barisic is frustrating because I think Barisic is a, is a player of talent. Um, you know, natural left-footed. Uh, you know, it, when we saw him playing against us, it, you know, he looked like the best player on their team. Uh, I was really pleased when we saw, signed him. But there's been games where he's gone missing. There's been games where he just didn't look like he fancied it. Um, and 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 clearly that's an issue. So, I, no, I wouldn't say that their careers are over. Uh, clearly, Gerard is unhappy. Um, I'm a little surprised. It did sound like something of a bounce game. Uh, I'm a little surprised he's quite as angry as he seems to be. I don't know whether he's doing that for effect to try and make certain fringe players. Uh, realise that they need to step up, um, or whether he is being perfectly serious, and these guys are, are you know, currently being touted to other teams. Uh, I'm not entirely sure who'll buy them, and um, whether they'll be out and loan, and it will just will just accept that we get the wages off. Uh, I'm not too sure, but yeah, he certainly doesn't seem to be too pleased. Uh, and the three he's not pleased with certainly have, have been at best fringe, and have certainly been disappointing so far this season. Probably. Probably his only disappointing signings um, over the piece. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that helps you. I don't have the insights of uh, El Fideldo and, and Stevie. <laughs> I just make it up. No, I'm sort of sad. 
back on. Man. You don't you don't have any transfer gossip. You don't have any knowledge on the youths. Have you got anything about Ibrox catering, maybe? I can tell you that I didn't have a pie today. You didn't have a pie? Nope. That, nope, it's too tight. That's the effect of walking past the obesity convention. That's exactly what it was. I wanted to be able to walk past it again to get home. <laughs> no riding the mobility scooter away. <laughs> um, and obviously you think that Stuart Armstrong will be a good fit in the squad next season. Personally, I would say I'm going to put him in the bench. Uh, I'll just say I'll put him in the bench just, just for laughs. Aye, well, why not? To be fair, he's a, yeah. a quality player. I think he's he's not getting much of a look in down at Southampton. But I thought... well, he, play, he played yesterday. Did he? Yeah, he definitely played yesterday because he was getting slagged in match of the day for giving the ball away for one of Bournemouth's goals. Right. You know, that way, I'm at that age where I wake up and match of the day's on. I fell asleep during a film and I wake up and match of the day's on. And, um, and yeah, so the, the Southampton Bournemouth highlights were on and uh, he managed to get caught in possession or something. Um, so, yes, he may well be getting getting punted. Ah, fantastic. Um, Ross, is it, I'm going to maybe say something if it's all right and it, it's yeah. based on, on Grez Dan Barris. It's, I've been heavily critical of of them on my own personal Twitter. On, on four lads, I don't tend to be as honest, um, you know, fine on, on Jersey. I, I kind of share everything and, and let everybody know what's going on in there because obviously got a good relationship with the admin guys and that on there. But what I will say about it is it's down to attitude and it's it's down to what they're putting in. Um, I've, I've said it and I've stressed it. Gerard arranged that game, especially on Monday. He persuaded Liverpool, Liverpool to bring a, bring a squad, a, a good, strong young squad up. They've got their own personal kind of games and everything else on, but they they done it for him. We named what basically is our kind of fringe first-team squad and the, the stats that they put in, the effort that they put in was, was absolutely embarrassing. And you've got to remember that every player is uh, mapped their runs and things like that and they were well below and they basically it was a half-arsed effort and that's that's the exact wording that was given to me. With regards to, to Borna Barisic, there's several issues with, with his commitment um, I know that Gerard was absolutely raging when he came back from Croatia injured, can't play in the old firm and then he's back on the Monday, oh you know I feel better and everything else and that, that doesn't wash with the manager and it's either you either give him the correct attitude and you give him 100% application or it doesn't happen and it, Gresda, I mean Gresda's got more points off Police Scotland than he's won on the pitch for Rangers it's absolutely embarrassing that, that his behaviour off field and that transcends into half-arsed effort on the training pitch and everything else. And these guys, they've just, you know, that's why I get mad at the Mark Allen thing and things like that. And he goes on about how we've we've um, we've we've done all these checks on attitude and we've done all these checks, make sure they're the right fit and everything else. And I, and I get, listen, I've given Mark Allen a hard time, and I get things can go wrong when you're kind of. Um, you know, you're shopping in, in, in the lower million market, but these guys weren't scouted properly. These guys were, were recommended by agents, and because Alan hadn't managed to get Gerard's targets he wanted, that's why we end up getting these guys. And that's what annoys me is because we should have learned our lessons from Pena and from Herrera and things like that. And these guys were ending up, we could be in the exact same position. We'll probably get rid of Barisic because he's went on to get caps for Croatia and everything else. And what frustrates me even more about that guy is he can go away and score for them and man of the match and Croatian papers are, are raving. And then he comes and, and gives us what he gives us at Ibrox. 
their attitude is completely wrong. And it's not this this isn't a situation between Barisic and Grazda that's that's suddenly just ha- happened. This is something that's been brewing for six months because Gerard's had them in the office, he's warned them, he's warned he warned everybody in the squad that they were they were fighting for their futures and, and the guys like Katic and Flanagan and Davis have responded. These guys haven't given them anything. Lafferty's the biggest disappointment for me because he's been there, done it, won championships and should know what it, what it's about. And within months of being at Rangers he was he was up to no good off the park and missing games because of Northern Ireland, because he had to sort out his personal situation and everything else. And how many chances do you, do you need, Kyle Lafferty, before you grow up? And that's the situation the managers told him. There's no room at Rangers to give a half-assed effort. It's either 100% or nothing. And we finally have a guy in Stephen Gerrard that gets it. These guys won't, won't be at Rangers anymore if they don't sort it out. And what John says is, is probably correct. That there is times where the manager will sound off and say, that's you done and everything else. And I suppose the door's never firmly closed, as you've seen with Lee Wallace. But I'd be amazed now, you consider you look at the four players that you hauled off at half-time, Koulibaly, Lafferty, Barisic, Grezda, nowhere near the squad today. I'd be amazed if you see them, any of them in the running. Um, and I would, I would be even further to say if these guys aren't put out the door in the summer. Look, it's you're absolutely right saying that we we have a manager who will not accept anything less than effort and commitment, and and he's gone as far as to say that that that's what he expects even for the young lads that he brought on at half time against Liverpool who turned the game, and he expects the same level of effort and commitment whether it's a cup final or a bounce game against Liverpool under twenty threes. And you know what? Thank God we finally have a manager who understands the Rangers standard who understands what it takes to play for this club, who understands the expectations of the the 50,000 folk watching you from the terraces, who understands what it means to play for our football club. And it's because he's been at a football club his whole life that, that had similar expectations coming from the stands. Um, and so I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that we have a manager now who comes out with um, scalding criticisms in the, in the press and you can argue the rights and wrongs of that all day long but I'd much rather have Stephen Gerrard with these standards and these expectations compared to Mark Warburton putting his arm around a Rob Kiernan and saying oh it's okay it's not gone so well for you this time because that is the, the exact antithesis of what it means to be a Ranger so thankfully we finally have um, the correct management structure in place to, to identify what it means to play for Rangers and, and try and instill those those standards, that ethos into our players. And look, that's we're not going to get that right every time because how how can you, you know, there has to be due diligence on players. Absolutely, there has to be. And, and Stevie, you're spot on that Mark Allen's got this wrong sometimes where the, the primary target identified hasn't worked out and there's maybe been a panic signing. So Jamie Murphy gets injured, panic sign another left winger, Eros Gresda. Um, or, you know, we've, we've come through a tough, a tough fixture against Osiek Panic sign their best player left back. He scored against us. He was brilliant, fantastic. Um, it's it's not always going to go right when you have knee jerk signings like that, and the due diligence has to be better. You're you're absolutely right. It does. Um, but we have a tone from the top now. We have a manager setting a standard, and if you don't meet that standard, you'll be out the door. Kyle Lafferty's back at this club for one last payday. I I don't think he, you know, he, when he re-signed for the club, there was all this talk about how it's you know it's where his heart wants to be and. They grew up loving this football club. These aren't the actions of a man that loves the football club. So it's it, it, it's a really difficult one. It's it's not going to go right every single time, but we are 
finally, finally having the right tone set from the top, and that will trickle down throughout the entire football club. And this links in together really nicely with the with the academy, with the youth teams, um, because that tone has to go all the way down through the youth setup. You have to understand what it means to be a Rangers player from the age of fifteen. Um, if you want to, if you want to progress through to the first team, you have to have the right mentality as well as the skill set, and we have that structure in place now. I really believe that. Um, guys, there's there's so much more that we could talk about tonight, but I'm really conscious of the time that we've already gone over the hour. Um, I, I think that's probably an apt place to wrap up for this evening. Um, so let me just finally say a, a really big thank you to to Peter Jenkins, Elfa Dildo, for for giving up his valuable time and educating us all about the RFC youth setup. Um, and thanks as well to Stevie and to John for their contributions this evening, which were insightful as always. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do subscribe to the pod. You won't miss a thing from Jersnet. Also, do be sure to head over to the website, www.jersnet.co.uk. Check out all the great content, the friendly forum, join in with the community. We'll be back next Sunday when we'll be taking a look at the showdown against Hibs and previewing the final old firm of the season. So until then, thank you very, very much for joining us and have a great week. <laughs>